welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Pallier Parenting Moms with Kids podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everyone. Today is the third podcast in my Dial Down the Drama series, where each week I focus on one chapter from my upcoming book that will be published this November 2015. Each week, I'm going to give you a few tips that you can apply right away to your situation with your teens. This is my chance to introduce to you some of the key ideas in my upcoming book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, and Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter. Today, we are going to explore Chapter 3, Why Moms and Daughters Can't Get It Right All the Time. This is one of those times where I wish that you and I were having coffee. And I'd like to ask you this question. Are you a good mom? Now, how do you feel when I ask you that question, are you a good mom? Now, I know from my experience, having talked to hundreds and hundreds of moms, that we don't really feel like a good mom. And that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Now, sometimes we'll say, yes, I am a good mom, but we say it in a defensive way, like when our teenager's being really disrespectful. You know, I'm a great mom. I'm a good mom. I do what's best for you. I take you back and forth to soccer. But when we put our head on the pillow and we're about to go to sleep, often we're not feeling like we're good moms. And have you wondered why? Why is that? And I think one big reason that we feel that way is that we live in a culture that so much is demanded from us as moms. And I call that the pressure to be perfect. See, we live in a culture that holds moms to a perfectionistic standard that really is unattainable. And no matter how hard we try to reach that bar, we are destined to fall short. Now, the media, the movies, TV, beauty industry, and advertising all tell us that we need to look and act a certain way in order to be happy and successful. So the culture sets this bar so high that none of us can attain it. Our houses are never going to be perfect. Our bodies are never going to be perfect. Our kids are never going to be perfect. Our Hair definitely is not going to be perfect. And yet, we feel like we need to keep pushing harder and harder so that we can get closer to that bar. So that translates into a lot of pressure. So when we go to bed every day, we're not feeling like, wow, I'm such a great mom. We're feeling all that pressure to get it right, to push harder, to somehow, if we adjust our schedule one more time or parent our daughter in a different way, everything would be perfect. 
This brings up another powerless parenting message, which is mothers are supposed to do it all and get everything right. Now, if we really stop to think about it, that is completely absurd. But we feel this pressure, and this pressure is what's driving us all day long. Our house may be a wreck, and we say, we might think, you know, I really don't care about being perfect, but we still feel it. We see the homes on the TV sitcoms of these perfect houses that are in complete order, and that's completely ridiculous. The biggest problem with the parenting, the powerless parenting message that mothers are supposed to do it all and get everything right is it's impossible. It's completely impossible, but we still try. And see, this message is really unfair because it doesn't give you credit for anything. Let's say that your hair is perfect, that you have a fabulous outfit on, you've lost those five pounds, and your daughter is completely well-behaved, but then your kitchen is messy and a friend comes over and you feel like, oh no. In terms of that message, you have failed. It doesn't matter how many things you have accomplished, that one thing can disqualify all the accomplishments that you've had. So this perfectionistic standard sets up a fierce competition that drives you to constantly compare yourself to other people. And here's what I mean. How do you feel about that perfect mom? She has great relationships with her kids. Her kids do great in school. They are active. They're on the football team. They're on the drill team. And um, they're active in their church and mom doesn't have to worry about them. They live in a beautiful house, and mom and dad have an awesome relationships. Their family pictures, they all look so happy. They take trips to Europe as a family, and you look at those pictures on Facebook, and what kind of feelings come up towards that mom? Well, often, we hate her. We look for something wrong with her. It's like, well, you know, I think she gained a little weight in Europe. She's looking a little pudgy there. So we're trying to find something to put her down because she makes us feel so bad. That's the fierce competition of perfectionism. It's like we have to put down those perfect people because it makes us feel bad. See, no one can, quote, do it all and get everything right. Basing your self-worth on this message will take you straight to mother shame. So what's the impact of mother shame? Well, in Daring Greatly, Brene Brown, a research professor at the University of Houston Graduate College of Social Work, defines shame as that intensely painful feeling or experience of believing we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. I define mother shame as a persistent gut-wrenching feeling that you are flawed as a mother and failing everyone in your family. Mother shame says that you are the problem. The horrible feeling keeps you from being authentic with other moms. You're afraid to be real because you feel like you're the only one who can't get it together. 
This is such a normal feeling among moms of teens. I can't tell you how many times in my practice or my programs that I hear moms say, oh, I am so relieved. I thought I was the only one. And let me tell you, you are not the only one. This is a cultural problem. And when we can see the big picture and speak our truth with like-minded moms, we're set free from this shame. The challenge is that mother shame isolates us. Shame takes us out with the sneaky, mean voice, that continuous running commentary in our heads. So what is a sneaky, mean voice? Well, first of all, it's sneaky. Most of the time, you're not even conscious that that voice is there but it is talking all the time, and it's putting you down. It doesn't matter what you're doing. And this voice is mean. Psychologists call it the critical inner voice, but I think it's way more than being critical. It's your worst enemy. These messages are cruel, debilitating, knock the wind out of you, and it attacks you all day long. It criticizes you like you're an idiot. You can't get anything right. It mocks you, you know, like, right. I mean, like, of course, she's not going to listen to you. It questions you. Do you even know what you're doing? The sneaky, mean voice attacks your core. It attacks your soul. It shakes your confidence. And so, of course, you doubt yourself. And then you naturally look for validation to others. It could be your husband, other family, mentors, other moms. But oftentimes, we look to our daughters or our sons for validation. And here's what I mean. You may not even be conscious of this, but you start to grade yourself as a mom on how well your son or daughter is doing. So if they're making good grades, you think, you know, I'm doing a pretty good job as a mom. If, they're, if they got the lead in a play, you go, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm a, I'm a pretty good mom. If she has a lot of friends and you think, yeah, I've, I've, done, I've done my job. But the problem is, is your, your daughter is hardwired and your son is hardwired for drama and they're going to make mistakes. And their moods are going to go up and down and up and down. So if they're up, you can feel good about yourself as a mom. And when when they go down, you're going to feel terrible about yourself. If they break curfew, you're the worst mom ever. If their grades plummet, you feel it's a personal attack on who you are. And this creates a whole boatload of drama. If we're honest, this is when we can lose it. Because if your daughter or son are not performing well, it makes us feel terrible about ourselves. And this is so deep in us. And so that deep, gut-wrenching reaction is we attack them because they make us feel bad. And yes, we care about them, but it's deeper than that. That perfectionistic standard that impacts you so deeply also impacts your daughter 
And that's what I call the myth of the perfect daughter. I mean, there's no such thing as a perfect daughter or son. They don't exist. It's actually physiologically impossible. Their brains are not developed. That's why they live at home and need your guidance. But the problem is, if we, be, if we believe that they should be perfect, and they make us feel bad about ourselves and make us feel like we're not the perfect mom, then it's very easy for us to shame them. And shame is not helpful at all. According to Brene Brown, she says that shame corrodes the part of us that believes we can do better. When we shame and label our children, we take away their opportunity to grow and try on new behavior. So like if a child tells a lie, she can change the behavior. But if she is a liar, where's the potential for change in that? Brene goes on to say, Shame is positively correlated with addiction, depression, aggression, violence, eating disorders, and suicide. So when we think that shame will motivate our daughters to do better, it's, it's exactly the opposite. And one thing you need to understand, and I have seen this so much in my, in my private practice with teenage girls and, and guys in the past 10 years, is the pressured daughter. This pressure to be perfect affects our teenage sons and daughters. Your daughter also has that perfectionistic standard hanging over her head. She knows what she's supposed to look like, what her hair is supposed to be like, her clothes, the, what kind of boyfriend she's supposed to have. She knows she's supposed to have good grades. She knows that she needs to get into a good college. And even if she acts like she doesn't care, she is constantly comparing herself to other people in the class. And she has a mean voice, too, that's saying, you know what, you're stupid, you're ugly, you're fat. I remember leading a small group with girls that were absolutely stunning, who were juniors in high school. I mean, each one of them kind of intimidated me. They were just absolutely gorgeous. And I will never forget this. I asked them, you know, tell me five things that you like about yourself. And it took them forever to name that. But I asked them, what are five things that you don't like about themselves? They could rattle that out in like 10 seconds. My breasts are too small, my hair is too thin, my legs are too short, my waist is too fat. We see our kids walk in and we think they don't give a rip about us, their room, how they look, or their grades. But see, we're looking at the tip of the iceberg. We don't know what's going on under the surface of them. And so we might say something like, look, you need to study. Don't you know that you need to get into a good college? And they are going to blow because we don't know that there's a volcano of pressure underneath the surface of this team. This pressure to be perfect robs you and your teen and your family of joy, of love, of enjoying these teenage years. It is time to change that message. We need a new cultural message that replaces that pressure to be perfect. I saw a teen in my private practice that was gorgeous, so successful in her senior year, but she was under so much pressure that she really wasn't enjoying her last year in high school. 
She fought with her mom and dad, and she had no downtime. And what struck me is even when she took a shower, she would put post-it notes all up and down the shower stall and would be studying when she was taking a shower. That is crazy. No one is going to be enjoying their life if they're taking a shower to post-it notes. We need new powerful parenting messages that will replace this powerless parenting message. And so this new message that I talk a lot more about in my book is healthy mothers accept their imperfections, strive to do their best, and model moving forward. My most popular Facebook status on my Power Your Parenting Facebook page is, the goal is not to be a perfect mom and have a perfect daughter. The goal is to love our daughters and to believe in them and their imperfections. And I don't know how I had hundreds and hundreds of shares. And I think that so many moms like this because they're so tired of this pressure to be perfect. I mean, it really is not the goal. And it's also impossible. When you accept their imperfections, it doesn't mean you're condoning their mistakes. It means that you're liberated from that harsh judgment of mother shame. Actually, it's when you change that mean voice, which is either inner or outer, to a kind and loving and compassionate and grace-filled voice, can you really move forward and learn from your mistakes. That voice, that kind, loving, and compassionate voice is what's motivating. Your daughter needs to know that she is loved unconditionally, even with her imperfections. She needs to know that she's loved even if she falls, makes mistakes, or disappoints you. Unconditional love is the foundation for your daughter being creative, trying new things, and challenging herself. See, imperfections are not the end of the world. It's what we do with them that matters. Failure is an opportunity for creativity and innovation. There's so many blessings that come from imperfections. Authenticity, forgiveness, freedom, love, creativity, courage, perseverance, and resilience. See, our worth, our health, success, and happiness has nothing to do with being perfect, though our culture would make us believe so. It's also about striving to do your best. I'm going to close with a story about a mom named Julie. She had a lot of shame because of the pressure to be perfect and had gained almost 100 pounds. In our first session, she wanted to lose that weight so she could go on a vacation with her husband. So I asked her to get on the treadmill one minute a day. And to my surprise, she did. The next week, she added a minute a day. And this went on and on until she had lost 30 to 40 pounds in six months. And she went on that vacation with her husband. This completely transformed her. So what transformed her is that she was striving to do her best. It was not the pressure to be perfect. See, striving to do your best is about your best. The starting point is you rather than comparing yourself to others. 
you're not trying to reach that unattainable cultural standard. You define what your best is and are only in competition with yourself. For Julie, this was getting on the treadmill for one minute a day. Striving to do your best is doable. No matter how hard you strive to reach perfection, you'll fall short always. In contrast, striving to do your best is completely doable. Increasing her time on the treadmill one minute a day was really doable for Julie. She changed her life by focusing on what she could do. Her attention was on what she was doing right instead of where she fell short. Striving to do your best is hopeful. Julie saw she was making progress. This built up her confidence, which motivated her to take another step. She could see that she was moving forward because she was the starting point. If she missed a day, it didn't matter because she could see how far she'd come. Perfectionism feels impossible because you compete with the superstars. There's a huge chasm between where you are and where you're supposed to be with no clear steps to get there. Lastly, striving to do your best is kind. Instead of being barraged by that mean voice, you're kind to yourself. Your inner voice is gracious and encouraging. At least I got some help. I did it. I missed a couple days, but at least I was able to work, work out three times this week. This is important because when you are kind to yourself, you extend that kindness to your daughter. This allows you to see your daughter with new eyes. You see her small victories. You recognize that she's striving to do her best. I'd like to leave you with a question. Where are you striving to do your best? Where can you give yourself credit for what you have accomplished? And where is your daughter striving to do her best or your teenage son? Where is he striving to do his best? And where can you give him credit? See, it's... It changes everything when your focus is on what you have accomplished, where you are making progress, instead of always comparing yourself to others and that impossible perfection, perfectionistic standard that always leads to shame. Noticing where you have made progress and what you have accomplished changes everything. It's what gives us hope and it's what motivates us. All right, I can't wait to talk to you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.